Welcome to another week of our deep dive where we look at uh, the topic and the passage from the weekend message. Uh, take just a little deeper look at that. Uh, today, um, I am joined by Pastor Terry and Pastor Mike. Uh, we're going to look at Galatians uh, chapter 2 and kind of this, as you call it, good church fight. Okay, the great church fights of the Bible. Yes. That's right. Yes. Now, my task is to try to figure out how to make you laugh more this podcast this week, than man, last we week. We laughed a lot last week, uh, for sure. I don't know. I We were talking about circumcision, and so, you know, you get three guys who all have youth ministry backgrounds, <laughs> and uh, maybe that just comes out. But uh, anyway. It's not a uh, laughing matter. Really. <laughs> we not. laugh because it's awkward. Um, anyway, so in, in this passage today, we, you know, we see that there's this, uh, you know, Peter, he visits uh, Antioch where Paul uh, was there, you know, he has other, uh, there's Christians there, there, there's Gentile Christians, there's uh, Jewish Christians, and there's kind of this um, dispute, if you will, of Peter kind of sitting down at the table and uh, going back to some of the kosher laws, and Paul opposes him publicly um, and then kind of launches into a kind of a discussion on justification. So, Lots of things in this passage um, that are that are happening. I don't know if we're going to get to all of it in this uh, deep dive. Lots of good questions um, as well. But I, I guess um, before I read this, um, anything stand out to either of you, um, just as you've been studying, as you've been preparing, as as you preach this weekend. Um, well, one other thing, that, how much we'll talk about is we get later on in chapter three and four the the whole idea of unity in a new community that this is what grace does it creates a brand new community of people and you know i in some ways when paul is challenging peter here it's a challenge about you're breaking the community mm-hmm. and you're break there's not the unity and we're not demonstrating to the world uh, what Christianity is and what unity mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. And I, I think what I've come away with this passage is more is that our doctrine is best lived. The way we live proclaims our doctrine. Our do- what we believe is only evidenced in what, how we live, and mm-hmm. people only know that. And I think this was a big deal for, mm-hmm. for Paul. He was seeing Peter not living out what he believed. Mm-hmm. And that's, to me, the call, am I really living out what I believe? Mm-hmm. That's really good. And Paul, you know, he's this guy, he, you know, what well, we know about Paul, right? He used to go by Saul. He used to persecute Christians. Uh, he had an experience on the Damascus Road where uh, the resurrected Christ appeared to him, um, and his life was completely radically changed from that point on. Uh, he didn't necessarily fundamentally, I think, see himself much differently. He was still a Jewish man. He still uh, had zeal for God, and yet it was just kind of a redirected um, mission, if you will. And yet uh, he, I don't think, would see himself, at, we see him as a systematic theologian. You know, we look at his letters and we try to pull <laughs> right. propositional truths and statements yeah. out, um, but he really sees himself as evidence of uh, the resurrected Jesus. He sees himself as this embodiment of really a revelation of who Jesus is, and he is very concerned with how people live um, as well. Mike, anything, yeah, what, I guess? I think similarly, yeah, the, the, you know, to Terry's question, you know, just add in what ways do my actions betray what I really believe about the gospel? Because there's always some disconnect, and I'm aware of, you know, where am I not living out the gospel fully? Um, also, just, you know, the fallibility of leaders. You know, Peter is an apostle. 
you know, when he writes letters in the Bible, God superintends that process so that we have an inerrant demonstration of truth. But he, neither he nor Paul, are infallible as humans. Mm-hmm. They make mistakes. This mm-hmm. is a mistake Peter's making. You know, uh, arguably, Paul should have taken, you know, John Mark with him, or you know, I don't, we're not sure, or sure. Barnabas. Sure. You know, that whole, you know, it's not really resolved for us. But the idea that Paul couldn't have made a mistake there is just, you know, not. So this, this sense of, you know. There's a popular podcast right, series right now that delving into the fallibility yeah. of Christian mm-hmm. leaders, uh, and I would just would say that's not a special case mm-hmm. in a sense where you know that's all God has to work with is a bunch of fallible leaders, and it's His fruit mm-hmm. in you know through us sometimes in spite of us. Yeah, that's fascinating. I didn't intend necessarily to go into a uh, discussion of like scripture even, <laughs> but like how, like how we got the Bible, right? You have Peter, you have mm-hmm. Paul, they, they both wrote letters that we have that we look at as authoritative. Um, and yet them as men were not, as you said, infallible, right? Sure. They, and so like the words that they, that they wrote that were, that they were inspired to write that were preserved by, um, you know, yeah, yeah, by, by God, by, uh, the spirit, like, that doesn't apply to their actions outside of writing those things. Well, and I think part of it is trying to live up to their beliefs. I mean, again, that's, that's it. How we live really betrays our, our doctrine. Are we really living up to what we believe? And, and, you know, Peter, there were a sense of fear Mm -hmm. from other people keeping him from really living the truth that he proclaimed. Yeah, for sure. Well, it's happened to none of us. None of us live out of fear of man. You know, I think that's always the challenge. For sure. Okay, well, let's dive in. So verse 11, we're in chapter 2, uh, says, When Cephas came to Antioch, um, Paul, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. Um, I want to stop here. Cephas, um, sometimes when we come to the Bible, people have different names at different moments. Uh, Peter goes by Simon. He goes by Peter. He goes here by Cephas. What? What's in a name? What's what's going on here? Well, there's several different languages that you know between Greek and Aramaic that people use to to call a name. It's like foyer and foyer, mm. you know. So, uh, but uh, it is it's Peter. It's just. Uh, Do you still call language. the atrium the foyer? On weekdays, <laughs> not on the weekends when people are there. Yes. So. Yeah. So I I don't know. I saw something when I was when I was reading. I wonder, and I don't know how true this is but right like jesus he gave peter the name you know rock Mm -hmm. right um and in aramaic which is what the the language they would have would have spoken right there seems to be some transliteration going on where cephas seems to be some sort of derivation of a translation of rock from aramaic into that so i don't know if that's that's there i don't know if paul is trying to like keep that in focus here like hey peter remember you're the you're the rock, yeah. <laughs> and I want to remind you of this as part of this um, conversation. But maybe that's what he called him when he was upset, upset with him, <laughs> like your parents, Bradley. Yeah. There you go. Yes, yes. Uh, so when Cephas came to Antioch, Antioch was a kind of a hub for for Paul for, for Paul. a while. Yeah, it was near his hometown where he had been, and he kind of gone back and spent a lot of time there. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't really know why Peter came, right? 
He just, he came. Uh, it says, Paul opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before uh, certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back, separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. So it seems like there are some some people who are associated with James, the brother of Jesus and the Jerusalem church. Uh, is it right to understand that, that these uh, these men were, were Jewish Christians? Likely. Likely. I mean, there's some theory that they're actually not Christians. They're just mm. Jewish, which was kind of weird of why they're connected with James. Some suggest they're throwing James's name around for no good reason mm-hmm. or trying to be associated. But yeah, I think the assumption is they're probably Jewish Christians who are really uh, sticking with their Jewish heritage mm-hmm. and cultural heritage mm-hmm. and background mm-hmm. and not leaving that. And then it says, and then the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, if you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? All right, so there's something happening here, right? You have Peter, who's this leader in the church, um, who's... Uh, at first blush, it kind of feels like he's just kind of maybe going along with the crowd. But then at the that last verse we just read, it seems maybe there's a little bit more, more going on. Yeah, I mean, Peter, again, this is the doctrine versus action. He obviously uh, ate with Gentiles because he went to the house of Cornelius. He had an experience of the sheet coming down with unclean food. He was there in Jerusalem when they wrote a letter saying you didn't have to follow all the the laws. So he was believing one thing and living that out until these people from Jerusalem came. Yeah, and it could be, I mean, does this indicate James was in some confusion about mm-hmm. how people should live? We just don't totally know that. Um, but it, I mean, for me, you learn how to live in the world in a lot of different ways. Culturally, you know, we have a certain sort of cultural muscle memory, when we come to Christ, we have to sort of reevaluate all those things. It doesn't happen all at once. Mm -hmm. So maybe this is where it's happening. And for a time, Peter is getting it wrong publicly. So he has to be sort of like, it's not just pulling aside. Maybe they did that, but you kind of have to address everyone because everyone's doing it. Yeah, Yeah, out of fear. He separated himself, fearing these people, whoever they were. Mm-hmm. What element of cultural context, you know, do we need to, I know we've talked different times, even on this, on this podcast about, uh, honor culture, shame culture, uh, Western culture, Eastern culture. Um, is there an element of kind of honor, shame dynamic here that Paul is playing at? Could be. Um, I mean, that probably is the Middle Eastern cultures, uh, African cultures tend to be honor or shame as opposed to guilt, innocence, Mm -hmm. um, which just means you go to shame is worse than guilt. Mm -hmm. Um, And so there's maybe some some aspect of dealing with this strongly is going to involve some level of shame or public, you know, handling of it. Uh, We're not really positive of that, Mm -hmm. but... There is a cultural distance there that we don't totally get, mm-hmm. obviously. It seems like these people from Jerusalem felt like this is how Christians ought to act. And maybe 
they were kind of presenting it as this is the norm for how Christians ought to act. Mm -hmm. Peter goes along with it. And so that's the question is, when do we do that? Like how do, Mm -hmm. what other cultural or political or, you know, sort of tribal things kind of go along with Christianity that we sort of Mm -hmm. maybe give the impression that you have to do this too, Mm -hmm. whatever that might be. That seems to be sort of what's going on there. And, And Paul has to say, this is not a norm for all Christians. This is not the the, the, the right and only way mm-hmm. to eat meals or whatever. And it divides, as you said, it divides the group mm-hmm. who don't have that. And now they have to fit in through some external conformity that shouldn't be there. Yeah, I think it's, it, there, it, it is difficult for us to kind of try to understand the the whole passage because we just don't come out of that Jewish mm-hmm culture. And so several things were going on. One is in, in Judaism at the time, there were two main groups of people. There was people who followed Rabbi Hillel or those who followed Rabbi Shammai. And Hillel was a little more liberal and open on following all the rules. It's mm-hmm. like, if you're open, if you're seeking, if you're looking for God, it's okay. Rabbi Shammai was much more every little detail, mm-hmm. do it by the book. I mean, you know, the food that you ate, it, you know, couldn't be unclean, couldn't be shellfish, couldn't be birds. You, you know, it, if you ate food that hadn't been tithed to God, then that was wrong. So t- typically what would happen is followers of Rabbi Halal would go to the larger centers and cities in the diaspora because they knew that they couldn't live so quite the same way. Diaspora. Uh, the, the scattering of Jewish people is the Jews were going throughout the world or had lived or had been forced to live throughout the world. So they would have more, probably more open-minded mm-hmm. liberal view. Typically in smaller places like Antioch and other places, it, they would, the people who were there are most often followers of uh, Shammai, who is much more conservative. So you have... When Paul is here, there's a very conservative group to begin with. So even in Judaism, there's a break. But they also saw the law. We look at the law as punitive. Uh, they saw that this is how you love God. Every time, this is how you show God your love. This is not what we do uh, uh, just because we have to do it. This is how we love God. So Paul, in the gospel even, is upturning everything, because that's what he goes on to say. We don't love God, by these aren't the ways we love God. We love God with a new heart in, in Christ in us. So the, Paul's been, you know, I can imagine Paul's frustration. He's been dealing with this issue for years. Mm-hmm. He's been moving them. And then all of a sudden, my guess is in a short visit, it's all been undone. They're going back, oh, we've got to go back. We've got to, this is how we love God. So I, I'm sure he's frustrated because it's undone that. And then at the love feast, I mean, I think part of what the table is when they're coming is communion. Mm-hmm. It's the love feast. We're having a meal and there's no love because mm-hmm. there's these two groups. And Paul is saying, you have to be like this. And that's, I think, as we're going to see in the next couple chapters, what breaks Paul's heart mm-hmm. is part of what grace does is it builds a new community of people. And I, I think that's, you know, I think someone would, was talked about last weekend in the early part, it's what do we do in, oh, it's those people. They don't match up. They don't fit my ideal of how you love God. And I think that's what it breaks down for us. Who, who is not at our table? 
and are we even aware mm-hmm. of people might feel like, oh, I didn't feel welcome because I'm not like you in this way. And we just assume everyone's like me mm-hmm. or uh, everyone feels going to feel welcome. Uh, so even if it's not an intentional, you know, the message to you don't belong at the table, we can be sending the message that you don't belong right. at the table. And that's what they would, you know, you have to do all of these things that you've never done your whole life in order to be accepted. You don't love us. God enough. Yeah. yeah that you don't this love is all this other stuff that you have to do to show your love, to be one of us. When of course, to be one of us is simply God's grace, faith, mm-hmm. work of Christ on the cross. That's it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's how the message, that's how the gospel can get twisted so subtly, mm-hmm. but powerfully. Yeah, so so a lot happening here. You have, um, I, I do think Paul is playing at the honor shame dynamic. I think that's why he conf- one of the reasons he confronts Peter publicly. You have this groupthink thing happening, um, and then well, I think that's what it, you know in verse um, fourteen. Mm-hmm. You know, oh wait a minute, sorry. Where he said that for, he forced the Jews. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you force them to do something. That's a very strong word in Greek. It's in this super strong word. Mm-hmm. So. What Paul, Paul and this other group of people, they were doing something publicly. To, it wasn't that Paul just was being a hypocrite and nobody else knew, or sorry, Peter was Peter. being a hypocrite. But there was something force. And I mean, even that Barnabas was led astray. I mean, Barnabas was the good guy of the bunch. I mean, he's the one that stood. The encourager. He's the one that stood up yeah. for Paul, the one that discipled Paul. Like, right, yeah. and brought Paul to the disciples, said, hey, you can trust him. And, and so, I, I mean, I think then what is the fear of man? This is one of the challenging things, how somebody or a small group of people can come in and upset everything in a community mm-hmm. of people with their control, manipulation, mm-hmm. whatever. That's, mm-hmm. There's a whole other, you know, background of what you could talk about mm-hmm. and how, well, how do groups work and how, how do Christian groups create that kind of authority and accountability and walk in what God wants instead of just manipulation. by. Well, this is the brilliance too of Paul as a writer um, and and how he is even built up where, where we've come to in in Galatians where he tells his story. um, And then we have him now kind of pulling that story almost. That's the proof of who he is proof of the gospel. And now here it is played out um, in these. So verse 15, we ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. So uh, we can tackle justification here. Uh, we can get <laughs> a little bit more. But I, one of the questions I want to I want to ask is, um, we see this phrase "works of the law" pop up a lot, um, especially in Paul's writings. Um, this is kind of our intro to it. Even in the the letter of Galatians, it's really going to take a very uh, front seat mm-hmm. over here in the next few weeks. What did that mean? Works of the law. Keeping the commands, obeying the commands and the requirements of the law, which uh, law is good, mm-hmm. right? Uh, love your neighbor, mm-hmm. love God, don't lie, don't murder. the The problem isn't that the you know keeping the law is bad. The problem is we can't be justified by keeping the law because we can't keep the law. We can't fully keep the law. We can't love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength on our own and love our neighbor as ourself. Mm-hmm. That's something Christ has to do in us if it happens at all. 
Uh, and so that's the problem. It's not law bad, grace right. good. It's justification by the law, powerless. Mm-hmm. So when you say justification, obviously that's you know here as well. What do we what do we mean by by that? Like, what does Paul mean by justification? Paul means it's a declaration. It's a moment where a judge would say you are innocent and you have the full rights and responsibilities of innocent people. Mm-hmm. You are no longer guilty or you're not condemned. So you live with the, I'm not guilty anymore. I am free. I'm, I'm innocent. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure, I, I'm not sure in our culture if we really understand that because I don't think we live with guilt often in the same, mm-hmm. same way. We don't want to or that we're separated from We God. justify ourselves. Yeah. That's how we often use the word or justify somebody's actions by showing how they're right. Mm-hmm. Where it's, it's almost the opposite of this meaning where you're wrong, mm-hmm. but I'm declaring you innocent. You're guilty, but I'm declaring you innocent. Uh, so it's, yeah, it's this legal declaration that's given to us that we can't make on our own and we can't make true. Mm-hmm. So it has to come from the outside. Uh, and yeah, I don't think we do think of it because that's not how we use the word typically. I'm justified in taking that yeah, action. Right, yeah, yeah. right. I'm right, yeah. or that person was justified, where it doesn't mean that at all. It means I am guilty, but Christ declares me innocent. Mm-hmm. So here we do get a, and I know maybe not as much here as, as there's a place in, I think, Romans, uh, th- through faith in Jesus Christ, um, could also be translated faithfulness of Jesus Christ. That's kind of the the debate there. And I, I think even where it comes into this passage is, is our faith, right? Is that an action that I take on that saves me? I mean, that, that, that's kind <laughs> is of that the, a work in is itself. Is that a, a work in itself? Yeah, I think, well, I think probably we just don't understand faith mm-hmm. either. I mean, we think sometimes we've, we've, put faith down to this little action of I'm going to accept Christ. I'm going to do something. I'm going to accept Christ. I'm going to accept Christ. And then that's it. That's done. I pray or or we do something. I mean, there's, I I think as Paul goes on through this particular passage, it's an acceptance of Christ and an ongoing surrender to him Mm -hmm. because we are declared righteous. He declares us righteous, not because of what we do, but because of grace. And so we're going to live and surrender to that ongoing declaration because of our faith, our trust in what he does. Yeah, I kinda I kinda like the ambiguity of faith in Jesus or faithfulness of Jesus because the answer to either is yes, right? It is what Christ has done. It's Christ's work alone that justifies us and but there is a response that is required. Um which kind of goes back to what we were talking about at the very yeah. beginning. And it requires both, because there are people who would say, oh, it's by the faithfulness of Christ. And then they're like, well, then everybody goes to heaven. Everybody's okay, mm-hmm. right? Because of what Christ did it for all, and it's okay. I think you're right. They're, the uniqueness of it, both have to be there. Both are true. There is a bit of a mystery, as you say, like because we only experience from, from our end. Mm-hmm. It seems like yeah. I'm choosing. Mm-hmm. It seems like I'm placing my faith in Christ by my own volition, um, where I believe it's Christ who sort of enables me to make that choice as well, that without that, I wouldn't make it because otherwise it becomes something that I can take credit for. Like I had faith in Christ and you didn't. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to heaven and you're not. Uh, And it's really, you know, more about Christ and Christ's 
pursuing me and Christ enabling me to see the gospel, mm-hmm. opening my heart, opening my eyes, mm-hmm. so that I place faith, my faith in Christ. So there's sort of a mutual something going on yeah. there that we don't, it's hard for us to describe. Because yeah. all we experience is one side of the equation. Yeah. What God is doing, obviously, I'm not always totally aware of that. Sure. What God did before, what God's doing during and after. So I think that's how people get confused. And I remember when I placed my faith in Christ. Yeah. Well, the, you, you do. That doesn't mean there's not more to it. Right. And I think that's why Paul and his life is such a good illustration for this, because there was this, cle- you know, for him, this clear experience that he had with Jesus. And you can see life before Jesus. You can see life after Jesus um, as well. I want to go through verses uh, 17 through 21. And then I, I do have a couple questions if we have time for it in terms of like, um, yeah, what what effect the, the Christophany, the experience he had with Christ mm-hmm. had on him and how he understands um, sur- you know, surrender to Christ and being crucified with Christ as a death event that produces life. So, um, but if in our endeavor, this is verse 17, to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners. Is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. And I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. So I guess my my question is, in what ways is Paul's experience with Jesus, um, the Christophany, the the him being crucified with Christ, in what ways is that a death event for him? I think it might be helpful when Paul talks about the law, like the Old Testament law, there was moral law, you know, the Ten Commandments, how mm-hmm. you live. There was civil law, like in the first five books, about how Israel was supposed to govern themselves. And then there's spiritual law. There's all these things of how you have a relationship, how you love God, how you uh, honor and serve him and be a light for him. And so I don't think Paul is saying, well, I die to the moral law and other mm-hmm. things. It's this piece that he had given his life to. I, I mean, and he, you know, tried to live an exceptional life and I think realized it's a burden and a joy for him. I'm loving God, but it's a burden. And so when Christ came, he realized this, that's not the answer. Mm-hmm. This is not the answer. And this is so much a part of my life and has driven me I have to put that away and almost like die to that. I have to think that's whatever food I eat, whatever sacrifice I get, that's not what's going to, it's a changed heart. He died to the, Christ. he died to the burden. He died to the bondage that the right. law had. Yeah. He didn't life. die to the 10 commandments. Sure. <laughs> sure. But he died to all that. This is, if this is how I show love to God, I've, I've died to that. I've, it's out of that relationship and he's going to, mm-hmm. Christ in me is going to do that. I mean, I think to your question about whether it was a death event or, I mean, I think, I think the answer is yes. It is in a sense for all of us. We all have to die to ourselves. We are all, you know, killing the old man, as it were. We all have to die to the old way of living, to being on the throne of our life, to making all our choices, to all of that. Uh, And I think it's the other half of the grace equation that, you know, I can't do anything to be saved. There's nothing I can do to make myself more savable mm-hmm. or to save myself. And I can do it to make me less savable 
It's all God's grace through faith. But it's saved to this life where I am crucified in him, and it's not my life anymore. It's his. Mm -hmm. So it's a whole new life now. So that's, you know, where this almost seems too easy. This seems impossible. But they're both, they go together. To use what you said before, when you said that we use the word justify, we justify ourselves. How do we justify? We, most in our culture, unless we're culturally Jewish, grew up in that, we don't have the same sense of the law justifying. That's what they would say. Well, if I follow all the law, then I'm justified in going to heaven. Mm, So we have to figure out what is it, though, that justifies us? What are we trying to do to justify ourselves? And I think we all probably have something, whether it's being a good person, whether it's maybe attending church whether it's, you know, not doing certain things, whatever, if like I'm on the right side, I'm justifying myself. And that's something we have to say, that's not what it is. Whatever was good, I count as law. I mean, so Paul considered himself, if anybody's justified by the law, it's me. Right. So he had to die to that. Like, I don't have that anymore. It doesn't work. It's not what it is. Yeah, that's great. Well, thank you guys. It's been a good discussion. Obviously, it's a very rich passage. We could keep talking um, longer and longer, you know, of course. Um, If this uh, conversation was helpful for you, we invite you to share this with uh, someone else. You can find uh, this podcast, this conversation, anywhere you listen to podcasts. It's on our YouTube channel. It's also on our website, calvary.church slash Galatians. We look forward to continuing this conversation again with you next week.